0: According to AARP and other organizations like that, anyhow. Uh, or if you, if you go to the movies or something, which we haven't done very much lately, but they they like, you want the senior price? It's like, would you like a slap across the face? <laughs> um, no, sure, we'd like the senior discount. So, you know, as, as, as we were, or as I was growing as a Christian, you know, it's, you were, I was learning a lot, and I'm, I was thankful for that. And, you know, then I, I, as a five-year-old Christian, I went to Rhema. And that took my breath away. They were talking about stuff I'd never heard and using words I'd never heard. And I'd look around class going, does everybody else know this stuff? Because I'm like sucking the curtains in. You know, I'm so amazed by what's being said. And um, I don't know if everybody else knew it or not, but I sure didn't. And so it was, it was revolutionizing my life, and I've really started to find my purpose in life when I was there hearing the Word like we did. And it was awesome. And I recommend, you know, that anybody do it. You know, God will forgive you for going to Bible school, if you're not sure. So we learned a lot. We learned about faith and healing and righteousness and all of those things that every believer must know. But there was a lot of things we didn't learn it wasn't long enough to learn all of it. And uh, at that point in time, Michelle and I just went one year, probably should have been there for about 10 years, but we went one. And so, you know, I had to learn a lot of other things. And, you know, some years later we go to pastor and I have the word in me, Michelle has the word in her. We can teach, but we sure didn't know how to lead much. And you know, through the years, I felt like we weren't really building people the way we should build people. You know, you're asking God, you know, help us. How do we do that? We are teaching the word, and people are growing spiritually, all those kind of things, but we were just missing some things. We had gaps, right? We all have gaps. Well, one of the things that we probably could have done a lot better was, was helping people grow was by asking them the right questions so they could self-discover some things instead of telling them everything. You know, our style was tell, 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 you listen and learn it and do it, instead of maybe, you know, the way Jesus taught sometimes, it required more out of his listeners. They had to think. And, you know, so we wanted to get better at all that. And that's where some of this comes from, is just learning that and what a difference it made. And... You know, we, I used a scripture this morning, some Matthew 16 verses 13 through 18. And sorry, back there in the booth, I'm going to screw you up on some of your, um, or I, this, the verses I gave you for tonight. Um, but anyhow, Jesus is walking along with his disciples, and uh, they had been observing him for a while, and he asked them a question: "Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am?" And they said, "Some say you're John the Baptist, Elijah, one of the prophets." And that was the wrong answer. He didn't correct them. He asked another question. He said, who do you say I am? He, he liked to ask questions to see if people had discovered anything. Did they have a revelation yet? And fortunately, in this case, Peter speaks up and he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you by my Father which is in heaven. In other words, you didn't get this from people. You got it from God. Because he'd observed and he'd probably asked himself questions like, how does this fit with the scriptures that we knew? You know, in his case, it was what we would call Old Testament scriptures. And he had come to that conclusion. And that conclusion and what he spoke out was the great reveal of Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. And as soon as that was done, it opened a door for Jesus to make a declaration about what he would do for the next 2,000 years. Build the church. So that's us. We are the church, right? He wasn't talking about a building. He was talking about people. Building the body of Christ. And uh, so I think, you know, I've said this here before. I said it, I think, this morning maybe even that I, I believe that this is the greatest commission of all, to build the church. Because then evangelism and discipleship easily fit under that. If we say that the Great Commission is go into all the world, I think not everything fits under that the right way. So when he said, I will build my church, and then he gave us the authority to go do that, verse 19, then uh, it changed, you know, so that we could go and we could build the church. He gave us the authority to do that. But uh, it came through... It started. He could have just come and said, hey, everybody, I'm the Savior of the world, just so you know it. But he never really did that. He, but before this, he could make this declaration, he asked questions. Sometimes we get a, a certain mindset of reading through Scripture. And, you know, I've tried to break myself from that at different times because I only see certain things. Years ago, when we were going to move overseas and stuff, and Michelle had started, well, before we were even going to move, she started going to homeschool conventions because she wanted to look into that to see if it was something we would do or not. And she came home and she said, John, th- this group of people, that particular group of people, is about family the way Brother Hagen is about faith. They had revelation, and they, they would use the same scriptures we'd been using, but they saw family and we saw faith. And so, you know, I went to one with her, and I'm like, oh, my God, you're right. I, I never looked at the Scriptures this way. And so then you wonder, how many ways should I have been looking at it that I haven't been looking at it? What have I been missing? I mean, you know, the Word of God is incredible, right? There's just every time you read it, there's something more there. And you wonder how you never saw that. So... Sometimes asking ourselves questions will help get to that point, too, and I'll come back to that. So anyhow, I think that in Jesus' teaching, it was his desire that a lot of his teaching would cause people not just to say yes or no or or just hear it, but to think. And and you had to listen to him to really get what he was saying. So uh, I think he required more out of his listeners, and if you ask questions, people will become more engaged, won't they? right. Now, so Jesus asked questions and we'll come back to him. But God also asked questions. I don't think I gave you guys these verses, but in Genesis chapter three, verses eight through 13 goes through the whole thing. You know, that God created the heavens and the earth and then created man and woman and uh, told them not to eat of the fruit of the tree. And of course, they ate of the fruit of the tree. And in verse 8 here in chapter 3, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Have you ever tried hiding from God for something? I mean, it's like, it's like if you play hide and seek with your little kids, right? You know right where they are. They're not really hiding most of the time. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Did he ask that because he didn't know? He knew. So he said, I I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Asked him another question. This is God asking man a question. Have you eaten from a tree which I commanded you? You should not eat. Question number three. Then the man said, the woman who you gave to me uh, gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Throw the blame. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? He asked a lot of questions right there, didn't he? And he knew the answer to every one of them. Now, sometimes when we ask questions, we don't know the answer. But like when we ask questions to our kids, we probably do know the answer. So we can just tell them because we know something, or we can ask them so it causes them to think. I'll give you some examples of that here in a little bit. So even God asks questions. Jesus asks questions. That's a pretty good start so far, isn't it? They're asking questions that they already know the answer to because it will help us think, self-discover, get revelation. And uh, I think God's still asking us questions. So if the great commission that we've been given to build the church is twofold, and that is evangelism, discipleship, do you think that we could be more effective at both? I know I could. It frustrates me when I miss opportunities for both. Now let me say this about discipleship. You know, I think that when when COVID happened and we couldn't fly anywhere like we were normally doing, and like I say 2020 was the year of the introvert. They said you can't go anywhere. You have to stay home and we're like, "Oh, too bad. Can't go anywhere." Have to stay home. All the extroverts were dying out there, and all the introverts were going, this is the best ever. (laughs) Well, what happened with with our work, since we couldn't travel and go places, we just Zoomed more. We've been Zoom people for years because our teams are all over the world. And, uh, you know, there's probably not a week goes by we're not with, you know, we don't have three or four continents on a Zoom call. And so we had to spend more time on Zoom. And, and, you know, two years down the road, I looked at that and I said, you know, I think these were my two favorite years of ministry. (laughs) Because we actually spent more time with the people we needed to, even though it wasn't exactly like this. I'd rather do this, face-to-face with people. But the next best thing was Zoom. And we had a lot of Zoom meetings. And But, you know, I never complained because I could sit there in my shorts. (laughs) And when I was done, I could go take a walk. It was awesome. But we spent more time with the people we needed to. And so I think we were probably more effective with discipleship in the last two years than we probably ever had been before. Smaller groups of people, but probably more personal in a lot of what we did. And so sometimes these were one-on-one, And I don't get much one-on-one when I'm traveling. It's usually groups. So there was a lot of one-on-one or teams that we spent time with. And it was awesome. And I thought, you know, because I heard a lot of people say, well, you know, if they travel, well, we just, we can't do anything. And I'm like, so you're saying that when you can't travel that your calling changed. How are you going to fulfill your calling if circumstances change? So what if you can't travel? we well, got a lot of other ways to deal with people today. Talked to one guy recently, and he said, he said, we spent so much time on the phone with people the last couple of years praying with them. I thought, good for you. You know, you didn't just sit around thinking, well, we can't fly, can't go anywhere. No, he found a way to use that gift that was still in him and, and fulfill the Great Commission. So... I like this saying, converts will go to heaven and disciples will take others with them. Well, if we aren't discipling anybody, that's going to be an issue, isn't it? So I want to submit that for, you know, both uh, evangelism and discipleship, that the art or science or skill of learning to ask questions will improve both for all of us. I would say this too. That if you're in business, questions will help you with your employees or your team, and it will help you with your customers. It'll engage them. How do you mine the wisdom out of your team unless you ask them questions? Works that same way in a family, with kids, and I'll give you some examples about that here in just a little bit. So there's a quote I want to read to you. And it says, asking questions is the first way to begin change. And we all love change, don't we? We're really good at it, and we do it fast. Wrong. No, there's three things we say about people and change. Either you uh, reject it, you tolerate it, or you embrace it. And uh, sometimes we do all of those. But asking questions is the first way to change, to begin change. The man who asks a question is a fool for a minute. The man who does not ask it is a fool for a lifetime. The first step to receiving an answer is being brave enough to ask a question. You know, sometimes that's what it is. We have to be brave enough to just ask a question. So um, for us to get better at both evangelism and discipleship, we had to learn to ask questions. And it's something that we've worked at uh, over time to get better at asking the right kind of questions in the right situation to the right people to help them. And I don't know about you, but many times I've ended up Zoom or driven away and thought, that's the question I should have asked. I hate that. You know, you're thinking, John, you're a little slow. Why didn't you have that question when you were there? That's the question that would have opened that up. And so I keep telling myself, okay, let's make sure the next time I don't miss that, miss the question. And uh, so I want to say this, that there's four places we can ask questions. And then I'll just say a little bit about each. We must ask questions of ourselves. So we must ask questions of ourselves. We must ask questions to others. We must ask our teams questions. We are very much about teams. If you want to to go anywhere in life and build an organization, it's pretty hard to do without teams. And uh, we must ask God questions. So those are four areas that we should ask questions. So back to number one, we must ask questions of ourselves. Why is that a big deal or a good idea? Well, because even when we ask ourselves questions, it will bring thoughts, ideas up to us. That maybe we wouldn't have had if we didn't ask the question. Um, it's self-discovery, and that's a big deal when we find things out, even about ourselves. You know, if I am, if something you do bothers me, maybe instead of just saying that bothers me, I should ask the question, "Why does that bother me?" Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it could be more my problem than your problem, right. and you're probably say, "Yeah, of course, it's your problem." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so why does that bother me? We should ask those kind of questions. You know, when when I was younger, I wanted to find out who I was. Who am I, God? Uh, That was a question to myself and to God. Some of these will go together. Um, What am I supposed to do in life? Sometimes you ask yourself that question and you're asking God again. But what am I supposed to do in life? Maybe you went through a situation and you should ask yourself this question. Instead of just being mad, staying mad, or whatever, say, what can I learn from this? You'll get over things a lot quicker because you ask yourself questions and you'll think, instead of that being the other person's fault, I could have done something different. What could I have done different? Or the question, what could I do to help somebody today? That's a good one to ask, isn't it? Oftentimes we form opinions before we've asked enough questions. We've heard something or we might have even seen a little bit of something and we form an opinion, but we didn't ask enough questions. And sometimes I think that we're a fool if we speak before we ask more of the questions. Why don't we find out what really happened? You know, and we we do we teach sessions on confrontation and conflict resolution. And again, you're sitting in front, so here you go. Or I could use Ashley or Shane but or Paige, but she never makes mistakes, so I can't do use her. And at least that's what Zane told me, Paige, yeah, so, yeah, and your dad. Um, so where was I going with that? Oh, yeah, confrontation and conflict resolution. Um, you know, you can just sit down with somebody and say, okay, now why did you do that? And, you know, blah, 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 or, you know, you did this and that. Or, or we could start out and say, hey, Shane, why don't you tell me what happened the other day between you and whoever? And what does that do? Does that do? You know, you're not accusing it then for anything, but you're, you're giving them a place. You're showing respect that maybe they have a side or an opinion that you need to find out about. So if you want to resolve conflict, questions are the key. That works everywhere. That doesn't mean you're 100% going to resolve something because sometimes people don't want to. Right? They can be stubborn. But if we start asking questions, hey, tell me what happened, and then give them the chance. And then that also gives you time to think. You know what I found out in counseling people? That every time that I had an opinion, I was wrong about where I thought the situation was. Whether it was marriage counseling, if I had preformed an opinion, I found out that I wasn't accurate. So I quit forming those opinions. And just would start, it would leave that more open until I could ask more questions. Because if you go into it with, you know, an idea that you think you already know what happened and then you find out it's wrong, then you're catching up, you're spinning your wheels a little bit. So it's better to go in without it and just ask the questions because you're always going to go, oh. And now you all might be just hearing one side, right? You know what we found out in marriage counseling? That there's three sides, his side, her side, and the truth. So, so we have to watch about forming an opinions, and I want to come back to opinions just a little bit later. Number two, we must ask questions to others, and I'm probably going to spend more time here because I've got way more examples of it, I guess. But this is this is a good place for discipleship to take place, is when we're asking questions to other or just learning who somebody is. In Mark chapter four, Jesus does some discipleship with his disciples in verses 35 through 41, and after this is way after the parable of the sower, and Jesus goes up into the mountains with his disciples and said he expounds all things to them, and what he talked about that day. And then he gets to 35, and he says, later that day after it grew dark, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. And after they sent the crowd away, they shoved off from the shore with him as he was, had been teaching from the boat, and there were other boats that sailed with them. Suddenly, As they were crossing the lake, a ferocious tempest arose with violent winds and waves, and they were crashing into the boat until it was all but swamp. But Jesus was calmly sleeping in the stern, resting on a cushion. So big storm, and he's sleeping. And you go, how can he do that? Well, sometimes we say it this way because that the the peace within him was greater than the storm that was outside of him, right? And so he could sleep. That'll help us sleep better too. Um, So they shook him awake, saying, Teacher, don't you even care that we are all about to die? Fully awake, he rebuked the storm and shouted to the sea, hush, calm down. All at once, the wind stopped howling, and the water became perfectly calm. Then he turned to his disciples and said to them, Why are you so afraid? He asked them a question, didn't he? He was trying to locate them, and he wanted them to be able to locate themselves too. Haven't you learned to trust yet? Well, boy, if we said that to people, they'd walk off mad. It's like, I can't believe he talked to me that way. Jesus, he asked tough questions, didn't he? Why are you so afraid? You know, that's a good question, you know, sometimes to people. You know, it, it, you, that can be anything, relationships, giving. Why are you afraid to give? And, you know, we should ask ourselves that if we are. If we're afraid of being generous ask yourself why. Why am I afraid to be generous? And don't be afraid to find out the answer, (laughs) right? Why am I afraid to commit to another person? Is it from past hurt or something? Should I get over that or should that rule me the rest of my life? What is it? But there's a lot of questions then that we can ask and we can ask ourselves and others. And um, that's what Jesus did. He said, And so then they said, who is this man who has such authority that even the wind and waves should obey him? Well, the answer to that was he was the most normal person that ever walked the face of the earth. He's the guy. You're normal when you speak to the wind and the waves and the trees and sickness and demons. That's normal. If we're not, we're abnormal. Right? I don't want to be abnormal. I don't know about you. So, questions make everyone think. And we want to learn how to ask the questions with depth so people have to think and to learn, not just yes or no. Why did you do that? How did you do that? So I think asking questions is a part of mentoring. Let me, let me say this also. When it comes to mentoring, this was one of the questions in the ladies' meeting that we didn't get to. But uh, mentoring and questions go together. And what we tell people today is that if you, because people will say, well, you mentor me. Well, if you're already on one of our teams, you're going to get some of that anyhow. But you only have so much time in a day, you can't mentor every individual that comes along. And especially if you're thinking you have to do all the prep for it. So what we do with that when somebody says that and we say, yeah, we agree to do that with you, is you must always come with questions. When John uh, Maxwell First met John Wooden, who was one of the greatest basketball coaches ever. Um, he said he got John Wooden to sit down with him, and uh, he had, John Maxwell's known for having like a legal pad with him all the time, still does today, and he had six pages of questions for John Wooden. And John asked him, he said, how many pages do you have there? And he goes, six. He goes, I've never had anybody sit down with that six pages of questions. I'll spend more time with you. And he did, because he had questions. So if you want somebody to mentor you, have questions ready. Now, John Maxwell has a CEO of his organization named Mark Cole, and he says Mark never is with him that he doesn't have a question. If they're driving to the airport, Mark is asking John questions. So what is that doing? He's pulling the wisdom out of John. And that's the way you can pull wisdom out of those people around you, too. Um, you know, one of the things that I regret is that I didn't really ever know my grandparents well enough, and I didn't know to ask them questions because I thought they were boring. You go over to Grandma and Grandpa's house for Sunday lunch, and that was the only supernatural thing in our, my life at that time. It was supernaturally boring. And, but I didn't even know to ask questions. Because if I could have said, you know, Grandpa, tell me about what was it like during the war? Or what was your first job and how did you get it? What was working like? How many, you know, and all the stuff that he had done. And I never never asked him any of those questions because I didn't even know I should. So we want to ask questions and teach people to ask questions. People are more engaged when we ask questions. I was on a Zoom with one of the ladies that works with us, and she happens to be on couple different teams. We try to get people on one team, but sometimes we have people on multiple teams. And she was on one, and she's a very motivated person, and she's got capacity, and she does a good job with pretty much everything she does. Well, she's trying to set something up in another country with someone, and did that, and was all ready to go. And then the person who leads that team just kind of seemed like cut her off. At least this was her side of it. And so she said, I'm going to tell her the next time I see her that if she won't empower me, I'm done. I said, you could do that, or you could ask her a question. I said, if you tell her that, is that going to open the door or close it? She goes, well, yeah, I'll probably close it. I said, so what could you ask her? So she said, well, I guess I could ask her why she's not empowering me. I said, that would be a good question. And I said, I think that that will make the conversation go better than if you just give an ultimatum. So, you know, sometimes we have to coach with that too. She was a little upset about something, and maybe she had a right to be, because I hadn't heard the other side of it yet, And uh, but, you know, turning that around to a question was going to help her. So... Sometimes if you're mad and you want to say something, maybe you should just calm down a little bit and think, what questions should I ask here? That might help the situation. We found out that with kids, it was one of our greatest tools. When, when our oldest son was a little guy, four or five in Terre Haute, when he did the... We had mini blinds, you know, all on the windows in the living room. And I don't know, we left him alone for a little bit one day and... We come back in the living room and about this height, you know, right above the sill, a bunch of the mini blinds had, had the string cut and they're hanging down, hanging down, hanging down. Well, I was pretty sure Michelle didn't do it. Unless she wanted new blinds, I don't know. So, you know, we called Zach in there and said, um, so Zach, did you do that? He goes, nope. Just as confident as could be. And we're like... You know anything about that at all? Nope. And uh, so we're like, well, okay. So we let it go for a little while and came back a little bit. I said, hey, Zach, I want to talk about those blinds again. Did uh, did you cut those? Nope. (laughs) You don't know anything about that? No. Nothing about it. I'm thinking, God, this kid is lying way too good. (laughs) So I waited a little bit longer and went back and sat down on the steps with him. I said, Zach, you know when I asked you? about if you cut those blinds and you said no, did you have a bad feeling right here? He goes, yeah. And he starts crying. And I said, well, you know, you're forgiven for that, but you're still going to get a whooping for lying. And he did. But it it was, I don't know if we'd ever got the truth out of him if if we hadn't asked the right questions. You know, I wish I had done better at that all through his life. There were times that we failed with that. But, um it helped him to learn something and we told we told him at the time even though I don't think he understood it that's the spirit of god in you and when you lied he can't bear witness with that and you're going he's going to let you know that that was wrong And that's something you'll want to listen to all your life so then with our daughter when when she was 14 um, we went, she comes to my office one day at home, and she goes, Dad, you want to go for a walk? Well, when Gabby said, Dad, you want to go for a walk, she had something she wanted to talk about. And so we, we just go out the door, and it takes about 100 yards to get to the forest trail, and we walk a little ways. I said, What do you want to talk about? She goes, How would you know I want to talk about something? I said, I'm your dad. I know everything about you. <laughs> Kids. Uh, and she's like, Dad. And I said, well, what did you want to talk about? And she says, well, what would you say if a guy asked me out on a date? She's 14, right? And I said, well, I'd probably ask you where the guy would least like to be shot. <laughs> She's like, Dad. You know, you know, you know this conversation is probably going to come sometime. It came a little earlier than I was expecting, but... Um, Gabby is the kind of person, and you have to. When you know people and their personality, you you learn some things about them. Sometimes you can talk to people, and like with Gabby, she has to self-discover if she wants to own it, and because uh, otherwise she's just going to push back on you. So I said, um, "Well, Gabby, tell me what you think dating is." Well, she tells me what dating is, and it's so innocent compared to what I'm thinking could happen. You know she's here and I'm here. So if I'd have just come and said, "Gabby, you're 14 years old and over my dead body you're going to date anybody," you know she'd have gone like, "What is wrong with him?" Because she's thinking here and I'm thinking here. So the questions bring us closer together. So you know we're, we we had different walks that we could take out there, and and so we went on the 45-minute walk. And, and Gabby would sometimes, you know, we'd get all the way back to the house and walk on the steps. She goes, how come you never say anything? I'm like, well, you never stopped talking from the time we left the house. That was our fault for naming her Gabby, I guess. But she, I'm like, are you serious? You, you, you didn't have, have any periods in your sentences the whole way, 45 minutes. So, you know, that day, so she told me about dating and uh, I asked her some more questions. I, I said, well, she said, you know, hers was like, well, you know, we might just, you know, go as a group somewhere to get something to eat or do something. And I said, okay. And so we talked a little more. And I said, well, would you ever be alone with the guy? And she goes, I don't know, maybe. I said, would the lights be out? She's like, why? <laughs> See the different levels we were at? And I, I said, well, you know, I'm just wondering. And uh, so we talked a little bit more. And we finally, probably at about the 35-minute mark, and I had done nothing but ask questions, she said, you know, I'm probably not ready to date. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably a good idea right now. Yes, yes, yes. And I didn't even have to say it. So I said, Gabby, I have never been a 14-year-old girl. That was a big revelation. and I said, you know, when you're 16, I will I'll still have never been a 16-year-old girl. I said, but I have been a 14-year-old boy and a 16-year-old boy. And I know how my brain worked at that time. And I said, there's something in men that wants to conquer things. And you're going to be one of those things they want to conquer. And I told her exactly what that meant. And she's just like, God, Dad, that's so gross. <laughs> And I said, I'm just telling you. I said, so you have to know that when the time comes that that could happen. Now, fortunately, the guy she met and married, he was so clean with her. I mean, you know, he wouldn't even kiss her until they got engaged. And because one time I I called back from England and we're FaceTiming Gabby, and I said, so how's Chris doing? This guy she married. And I, I didn't know one of her friends was in the room. She goes, he hasn't even kissed her yet. I said, I like him even better. So, but it was, it was the questions that got through that what could have been a very difficult and ugly disagreement where she self-discovered that herself. And uh, sometimes Gabby, we'd be talking and she goes, Dad, how come you always answer questions with questions? I said, I don't know, why do you think I do? <laughs> so, it was, it was with kids again, Our son Spencer, he's the middle kid. And he just, when he was about eighth grade or so, he just got consumed with creation versus evolution. And he, I mean, he was like an expert at it. He'd watched everything on YouTube you could find, and he could, boom, he could talk it. So at school, they start teaching evolution. And he starts asking questions. And eventually, he turns the entire class against evolution. They're unsaved. And the teacher finally got frustrated and said, Spencer, you can't ask any more questions. Because that's all he was doing, was asking the teacher questions. Because he knew the questions to ask because he'd studied it. And the teacher finally, what teacher says you can't ask any more questions? Thank you. But the whole class didn't believe in evolution anymore. Because he debunked it with his questions. So it's a good thing. I mean, you know, and I wish I'd have known that when I was his age. That would have helped me. I probably wouldn't have said anything because I was an introvert. <laughs> I think I told this story, you know, one time here before years ago, but what time do we need to be done tonight? Like now already? I haven't even gotten anywhere. <laughs> uh, told you I might not finish, but, um, you know, I was I was in the Frankfurt airport flying to Nigeria and... I'm, I'm sitting on a roll like this, like right about there, and I'm the only person on the row. And this guy just kind of whoosh, slides up, sits right down next to me. <laughs> oh, gosh. I know, and you're just like, serious, dude? I mean, uh... and I mean, he, he's, he was English, but he lived in America, said he had an IQ of 200. And I said, congratulations, probably twice what mine is. And uh, so we talked a little bit, and then he, he stops right in the middle and goes, what do you what do? You do? And I have a lot of different answers for that. Sometimes I say I'm a builder. What do you build? I build the church. Really? Where? All over. But this time I actually said, I'm a missionary. And he kind of looks at me and uh, he quotes some verse out out of Proverbs. And I said, well, I think I know what you're talking about there. And we talked about that. And he goes, okay, that's acceptable. And he said, well, I'm an atheist. I said, I used to be one too. He said, really? What happened? Well, I knew I had them then. <laughs> and we talked for a while and talked through a bunch of things. And, you know, then it was, it was time to get onto the bus to go out to the plane. And this, it was the longest bus ride I've ever been onto a plane, which I was glad for. And, he, and we were crammed in here like this. And I, had, I told him that I said, you know, people like you, when they do receive Christ, make a decision about things like that. You're the best converts that we have. He said, why? I said, because you've looked at everything. He studied Buddhism. He'd studied this. He'd studied that. He'd read the Quran. He'd read the Bible. And he just hadn't, I said, you just have to make a decision sometime. And so then we're on the bus just like this. He's right here and we're standing like this with all the other people. And uh, I said, why don't you do this? I said, why don't you ask God to reveal himself to you? He said, well, I've done that and nothing's happened. I said, what do you think he's doing right now? He starts crying. And he raised his hand and he said, I want to become a convert. I said, you'll pray with me right here, right now, to receive Christ? He said, yeah. So he he brought his hand up to mine and I led him in the prayer of salvation and people were trying to go back like this. (laughs) And he gave his life to Christ right there on that bus out on the tarmac. But it was from a question. What do you think he's doing right now? And, you know, fortunately, I wish every instant work that way, and it doesn't always, right? But sometimes it does. When I, you know, because of all the flying I've done, you, you, I think you should always get comfortable sharing the gospel in whatever your lifestyle is, you know, wherever you work or go. And unfortunately, it seemed like a lot of my life was on airplanes for years. And so you sat next to a lot of people and talked with them. And like say, nowadays, it's headphones, the universal sign of I don't want to talk to anybody. And which is kind of bad. You know, it's not that I want to spend hours and hours talking to people on airplanes, but if you can change their life. And so I learned that when I was sitting next to somebody that I would ask as many questions as I could before I ever let them ask me one. What does that show when you ask people questions? You care, you're interested, all those kinds of things. And just keep asking and asking and asking questions. So at least you get over the hump of that they know maybe you're interested in them. And then they might say, well, what do you do? And sometimes, you know, know, when I said the answer, sometimes I'd say a pastor or minister or something. Wall goes up. What do you do then? Ask another question. And I learned to say, hey, when, when I told you what I did, it felt like a wall went up. I said, have you had a bad experience with Christians or the church? 100% of the time, they said, yes. So I said, tell me about it. So they would, and 100% of the time, they always told me. They never said, no, I don't want to talk. They always told me what it was, and it's their view. I don't know if it was right or wrong, but, you know, I'd say, well, it's unfortunate. You know, that's not the way the church is really supposed to be. And my goal, at least, by the time we got off that flight, was that they found one Christian that they liked. It was at least a start. Every now and then, you got to lead somebody to Christ. I've asked people sometimes, they've said, no, I'm not ready to do that yet. So I'd say, well, would you at least keep your heart open? Because it seems like God is wanting to do something in your life. And most of the time, they said, yeah, I I will do that. So, but, you know, it always came with questions. And um, I'm really out of time, sorry. So I want to go back to this real quick. Opinions. You know, have you ever had a strong opinion about something? Right? At least two arms and one leg? Yeah, we all have. And this is something we've had to deal even with directors about that have very strong opinions when we get in groups. And so we've had to say, how could you turn that opinion into a question? Because once you speak nobody else will. But what if you turned that strong opinion into a question? What would that question look like, sound like? And then what would that do for the rest of the people? It changes the whole dynamic of a team meeting. We had, you know, one of the, uh, we always say this, you know, in our team meetings, you know, the leader always plays their cards last. We, you know, we don't get in a meeting and just start sharing our opinion on everything or this or that. You know, we always want get, to get around the table or whatever and get hear what people have to say. And uh, we had, you know, one team member that was a leader in some things. And every time I'd ask a question, that person would answer it right away. And I'd look at him like, have we not talked about this? Would you shut up? <laughs> you know you're supposed to answer last. And so... Sometimes I'd, I'd have to wait till after the meeting and say, "You remember we talked about this? I don't care if there's silence for a while. Don't answer." And then sometimes in the meeting I'd ha- you know that person would start talking and I'd just go, "No, don't answer. Because if you're not going to get this and I'm going to have to keep saying it, I'm going to say it in the meeting then finally. And then I'll tell everybody why. Because, you know, I don't want to hear their opinion. I want to hear other people's opinion and what they think or the facts or whatever they are for that before I hear theirs. So it takes training sometimes. But strong opinions don't open up people's hearts. Have we learned that the last number of years with politics? Oh, my God. What if presidential debates could only be questions of each other? Instead of saying their spiel that's been written out for him. So questions. Uh, We want to learn to turn this. So we must ask our team questions, and I will just give you the scriptures for these. Um, That's certainly what Jesus did in Matthew 16. But in John chapter 6, verses 1 through 13, he did the same thing. That's where he asked the question, you know, like, what do we have? How are we going to feed the 5,000? And he asked questions. That's how he got to where he wanted to with the miracle. Um, we won't read through all those. But it wasn't until after the questions that he gave the instructions. Um, when we ask our team question, you know, they know things we don't know. They know facts that we don't know. If I'm talking, if we're sitting around the table and somebody works in children's ministry, you know how often I work in children's ministry? Never. Because I was usually up here. So if I want to know what went on in children's ministry, I can't assume I have to ask. And that you can get facts, opinions, ideas from people, but it all it all helps them grow too. If they come to the meetings without the answers to those questions, they probably won't do that too many times, right? They'll learn they better ha- they know they're going to have to have the answers to those questions. So, come with come with answers to questions when you come to team meetings too. Um, Very often a team member would come and say, ask me a question, say, Pastor, what do you want me to do? And I'd say, well, what would you do? How would you handle that situation? I can tell them, but wouldn't it be better if they learned how? And sometimes, you know, you can find out where they are if you just say, well, how would you handle this one? What do you think would be the best way to do it? Or sometimes afterwards you go, so why did you do it that way? And you're not casting any um, opinion on that or blame yet, but you're just asking, why did you do it that way? And it could have been awesome, and that's why you want to know. Or it could have been horrible, and that's why you want to know. But then you can go from there with other questions. Um, You might, you know, we had to do this. How do you think your part affects the rest of the church? because we want to see them, that we're a whole, we're not just silos, all right? And then we must ask God questions, and that's, you know, we, Jesus said that in Matthew 7, 7, right? Ask, and, the, and uh, it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find, and knock, and the door will be open. He said ask, and who are we asking there? We're asking God. Um, certainly in my own life, there have been times when something's been going on, and I finally said, God, what about this? And boom, I know the answer. I'm thinking, why didn't I ask that about eight months ago? Um, So we want to ask the kind of questions that will lead to conclusions and discovery and teaching for that person. It's just way more effective than if we just spout it all off. Um, let Let me finish with this. How do we get good at asking questions? I'm just gonna give you eight quick things. Be a good listener. Listen so as to disciple. Isaiah 50 verse 2, I think, says that. At least in one translation. You might have to dig a while, but it's close. Um, But listen so as to disciple. Right? What is somebody saying and what are they not saying? And then you know the question to ask. So be a good listener so that you can be a better question asker. Don't be afraid of your questions. Don't be afraid of your questions. Sometimes when you're going into a situation, do your research. Come prepared, in other words. Sometimes it's just, and this is number four, go where the conversation takes you and just keep asking the questions that will lead on. You may not go where you thought, but it'll probably be worthwhile. Number five, use silence to your advantage. If you've asked a question, Don't be afraid of the silence. It's uncomfortable, but don't be afraid of it. Avoid leading questions. You know, and some of those might just be something where it says, you know, yes or no. We don't want just yes or no. If they say yes or no, then why? Keep your questions short. And if you can, if you know there's going to be a sequence of questions, get those right. You may not always know that. But if you do know where you're going with something, try and sequence your questions. You know, when I prepare for, for meetings, like team meetings, I do more thinking about questions today than I do about anything else. And I had to learn that. I used to get nervous with certain meetings because I'm thinking, well, what am I going to say? And then I, when I learned that all I had to do is ask questions, it became much easier. Now, I mean, sometimes there's things that I have to say, you know, that's, that's, there's always that. But, you know, it was something that we had to learn. So, I think that we can both help ourselves with discipleship and evangelism if we will get better at asking questions. So, sometimes you're going to have to ask yourself the question, what's the question I should be asking? <laughs> and even afterwards, if you didn't ask the right question, because maybe that'll help you learn for the next time. I don't know if we'll ever hit it 100%, but it's, it's worth it anyhow. Let's stand up tonight. I don't know as if we have anything like this on our, our website yet. Um, pretty much everything on our website. We have a grunewald.org, which there's free resources on there. And we also have one called thechurchbuildingsystem.com. And that has stuff like questions and building teams and things like that on it. Um, and everything on there, there's videos and articles that are free resources also. So you can have those if you want them. And there's more every month. But it's it, we, we added these to some of the other things we were doing because we wanted to see people grow and the church grow. And... We saw churches that were, you know, they'd get to a certain place and they'd plateau or stagnate. And it was like you're asking the question, why is that? Well, we found out the answers to some of that after years and years and years of it. And so we wanted to help people, and this, this is one of them. We are a better leader if we learn to ask better questions. It helps people. So it's just one of the tools in your toolbox that you can use as a parent, as a business owner, in the church, wherever it is, questions help. When you, when you lack something to say, ask a question. I wish I'd have known this when I started dating. I was so afraid of dating because I didn't know what to talk about. All I would have had to do was ask a few questions, right? And that would have solved the whole thing, but I didn't know that. So if you guys are thinking about that, that's where you start. Ask questions. The first one you ask is, should I? <laughs> or talk to your parents. Let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for this church again, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing through this church and every person here. Father, it's so amazing what you've done here in this church in all these years and in this place that you sent the right people here to lead it, to be a part of it, to help make it function, and that you still have even bigger plans than this for it, that until every person is reached, that you're going to want us to expand in one way or another, so that we can reach every person for Christ. That when we stand before the throne of God someday, that we don't want to look and say, look, here's all the people we could have touched, but we didn't. That, Father, you have a way for us to do that as individuals and as a church here, and that this church is a bright, shining light to this whole canyon and beyond that you're you're doing such great and mighty things here that it's it's the miraculous it's it's all of those things but it's also the growing of people and how they can each go out as a as a as a mobile light into their part of society and draw people to them because that light of Christ in them is shining so brightly so father we thank you for that tonight we thank you for what this church is called to, what it will do, and we ask you to help them in every way possible to fulfill every part of their calling that they have for what they're supposed to do here. Father, I bless each person here spiritually, physically, financially, that they will prosper above and beyond all that they could ever ask or think in every area of life. Father, for those that are trying to overcome things. That you're going to give them the wisdom, the help, the friends to help them overcome the way they need to, no matter what area of life is. That you're going to give them courage, the boldness that you fill us with because we have the Spirit of Christ in us, that we have the boldness to speak to those that are unsaved and help lead them to Christ. To pray for the sick. And, Father, that miraculous things happen because when we lay hands on the sick, they recover in Jesus' name. So, Father, I thank you for all that, and I bless this church again in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you all. Thank you for your partnership and how you're touching the world. Amen.
1: Thank you, Lord. Thank you, John. Praise the Lord. I'm receive something from that. You can be seated for just a moment. I have a question for you. How many of you know why on Sunday night ministers go long? Could it be that you're such good listeners? Praise the Lord. So if you don't want us to go so long, don't listen so good. <laughs> but you do listen good. And it makes a difference. It always makes a difference when you're listening, you're you're pulling stuff out and uh You know, our prayer always is that you guys are, uh, you know, desirous enough. You know, Jesus said if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you'll be filled. And so that that desire to understand, to know when somebody's here, draws stuff out uh, that maybe otherwise wouldn't be said. Or, you know, so sometimes, you know, a minister can have notes and go, you know what, that'll be done in plenty of time. When they come to good listeners... There's stuff that gets added, too, because you're asking God about something. And so, praise the Lord. Didn't make me feel bad at all. I mean, I've done this quite a few times lately, and he's like, wow, I'm almost done. I looked and went, I can't believe you're almost done. You just got started. And so, uh, it's because y'all are good listeners. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, we want to be a blessing uh, to John and Michelle and what they're doing around the world. Again, you got in on. I mean, just think of it for a moment. You raised your hand and you said you got something out of it. You got in on what leaders in Europe, in the Middle East, in Africa are learning in how they develop, how they reach out and disciple people. And so you got in on that, but also at the same time, you realize, wow, this is stuff that they're learning that will really reach a nation or expand a nation, And so you're sowing into really good soil and expansive soil uh, for the harvest. Amen. And so the Bible says when we really understand something is good and we have an opportunity to do good, we should take advantage of that opportunity. And so we have an opportunity to communicate, sow into their lives in reciprocation for the word that we have received, but also understand that, well, we're sowing into something much greater uh, with the great harvest in that. And so we get a harvest when we sow, but uh, I believe God has a much bigger plan that we're sowing. We might sow financially, but something is being reaped down the road, which is the very thing that Jesus is waiting for. You know, Jesus is coming again. How many of you believe Jesus is coming again? And sometimes we think, what are you waiting for? And he's not just waiting for the next event. There's going to be some events before he comes back. He's not just waiting for the next Holy Ghost meeting. He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. He's so compassionate that he's waiting for the next person to get saved, you know, uh, discipled, reached out to. And so when we sow and it begins to reach out to people, there's a harvest that comes of souls from the soul seed that we sow, not just back to us, but something that's going on uh, that God's doing in the earth. And so we have a part to play in that, amen? If you're making out a check, make it out to New Creation Church. If you're given by cash or debit or credit card, uh, you can raise your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope. If you're given by text, the number is up there. If you're watching today, you can go onto our website, uh, go to the give button. Uh, when you do that, uh, just put down uh, missions or Grunewalds, will make sure that they get uh, this offering tonight. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, what a great weekend uh, that we've had. Ladies, I trust that you are blessed uh, that the time that you had this weekend was so inspiring, but also uh, uh, informational, and uh, because of that, revelation comes from that information and that things are being transformed in your life uh, To be an influence and a witness to people around you. And then all the rest of us, uh, what we've received today, uh, the same. Because we really don't want to just say, wow, I heard some good things. But that God's really dealing with us so that we really can uh, see and reach out to others. And man, today was a great message. When you're not sure how to evangelize, asking those questions. Opening up people's hearts. Uh, When you ask questions, their heart gets open. And uh, there's something about soil that's open, right? Sometimes soil, you know, it says if a seed is sown on hard ground. So a farmer's smart enough to know, you know what? After the winter, I don't just sow seed when, when it's all been fallowed, it's been hardened up by the weather and the storms that come. Some people have been, their heart's been fallowed, it's hardened on the surface because of weather, things that have happened, circumstances, relationships, you start asking questions, they start opening up, it breaks up some stuff, and now, smart farmer always sows seed in that soft ground, and it just gives us an opportunity uh, to soften a heart, sow seed, so boy, what a valuable, valuable A message we heard tonight. Amen? Praise the Lord. We ready? All right, Father, we just thank you right now for what we've received. We thank you for the word that's gone forth. We thank you uh, for the gifts in John and Michelle and, Father, what they're doing around the world that we uh, not only receive from them, but we get to participate with them and in your plan even throughout the world. So, Father, as we do, I command the blessings of your word upon each one. I declare over this congregation that you, God, you supply every need according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus, that you're causing all grace to abound towards them, to have all sufficiency in everything they're able to give uh, to every charitable donation. I thank you as you finish your process with them in their generosity Thanksgiving goes up to you because of the generosity that comes from them. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and pass those buckets. After the bucket goes by, you can stand up. Good ushers, somebody give me a wave if we got everybody, everything. We good? We got them all? All the? Yes? No? I can't see. Somebody? Not yet? Okay. Praise the Lord. Say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus? Christ. Fark seeds. Any damage, Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall.